podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone and welcome to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. And this is your Friday Five show with me, Rich Ferraro. Uh, In just a few minutes, we will be discussing the top five stories coming out of the city ground this week with Maradon in the Midlands and Adam, cycling defender. But first, let's head over and find out the latest news. Hi, this is Jamie Martin with your top five forest stories from the 1865 News Desk. Now, the biggest news of this week, Steve Cooper, the Nottingham Forest manager, has been relieved of his position. After two years at the Trentside Club, Steve Cooper has been sacked as manager of Nottingham Forest. The club confirmed after a run of poor form and a, quote, strained relationship with club owner Evangelos Marinakis. A phenomenal character in recent memory, Steve Cooper achieved promotion to the Premier League despite the club being bottom of the championship upon his arrival. The club survived the Premier League just a season later and achieved what was essentially once deemed impossible. He leads the club a legend, but as beautiful game as football is, where business is involved, scrutiny follows. Cooper was informed of his dismissal on Tuesday lunchtime by footballing director Ross Wilson. Of course, the biggest news being Steve Cooper's sacking, but Nottingham Forest have hired a new head coach. Nuno Espirito Santo has been appointed the new Nottingham Forest head coach. The club confirm on Wednesday morning, signing a contract until 2026. After weeks of rumours, Nuno arose as the frontline candidate to replace Steve Cooper. And after successful preliminary talks, the Portuguese coach flew into Nottingham to have further talks with club owner Evangelos Marinakis and representatives. Nuno then signed a deal until 2026, with the club announcing him as the new head coach just the morning after. Nuno, previously of Al Ittihad, most recently, joins Forrest boasting an impressive career of unlikely successes at European football and reputation for tactical rigidity. Now, in the third big piece of news this week, Nottingham Forest have confirmed multiple Cooper staff departures. With Cooper no longer manager of Forest now, with this comes the staff departures. The club have today confirmed to various media outlets, including BBC Radio Nottingham and Nottinghamshire Live, that a number of Steve Cooper's staff have followed him in exiting the club. Alan Tate, Cooper's assistant, leaves the club, followed by goalkeeping coach Danny Olcock and David TV the sports scientist. Stephen Reid and Stephen Rand's first team and performance analysis coaches will stay at the club with Andy Reid's position being unclear. Talks will be held over the festive period to decide whether he will stay at the club and uh, join Nuno Espirito Santo for the future. Big changes with more expected as Nuno starts the process of bringing in his own staff in the coming weeks. Now more from Nottingham Forest owner Evangelos Marinakis. This week, Company's House showed that the owner of Nottingham Forest, Evangelos Marinakis, of course very ambitious, has wiped £11 million worth of the club's debts. Officially received for filing on December 14th of this year, Nottingham Forest ownership have allowed £11 million worth of shares to raise capital to clear the same sums worth of debt owed by the club. Essentially, creation of new shares as a means to raise money, capital. With this, however, does come the dilution of other shares in the club. This year today, Evangelos Marinakis has cleared £52 million worth of Nottingham Forest debt. And now lastly, Tom Cartledge speaks with Nottingham Forest Supporters Trust. Now, the Nottingham Forest chairman, Tom Cartledge, recently spoke to the Nottingham Forest Supporters Trust in their annual discussion. In the chat, which was in a vodcast 
format. Cartledge spoke about his desire and current workings being done to improve existing infrastructure. He also spoke of the iconic idea to introduce container stands at the club, seats which will allow, quote, more people to come to the city ground on match evenings and afternoons for a slightly higher general admission fee. Now, the chairman has also highlighted the need to stay at the city ground as it is a special home. Improvements are expected to be made in the coming years if the legalities are successful. Cartledge is the CEO of design and architectural company Handley House, incorporating Benoy, the company responsible for designing Forest's new stadium plans. So that's the latest from the 1865 News Desk. I'm Jamie Martin. Be sure to catch up with me on social media via at I'm Jamie Martin on Twitter. Updates on Nottingham Forest related news coming throughout the week. Okay, thank you so much, Jamie. And Obviously, the first story is the biggest one of the week. And Adam, I'm going to come to you. Um, We did record a few reflections on the day about the Cooper sacking, but we've not heard from you yet, Adam. Um, What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a mixed emotion for me. Um, Obviously, I love Steve Cooper. uh, And I think that any Forest fan would say the exact same thing, irregardless of how we were doing in the league. I think what he's done for this club and especially my generation, um, it's the most success I've ever seen as a Forest fan. So it, it it is a man that means an awful, awful lot to me. But having said that, I think there was potentially cause for a sacking. And I don't think he could argue with it so much. Um, and it, it feels really harsh to say, but I think in modern football, this is just how it works. And unfortunately, we... You can't expect to keep your job if you've won one game in 13. You got beat 5-0 by Fulham. The only thing I really questioned was the timing is really strange. I mean, if you were going to sack him, that that thought was clearly in their head. And I think we know that. You may as well have done it after Fulham because he asked for a reaction against Wolves and got one. We, We didn't play too badly against Spurs, I don't feel. So... To have done it after those two games is more confusing than just doing it after getting beat 5-0 by Fulham. But I, I think the initial, the second itself was one of those where it was always good. I think if we were bottom of the league on zero points, I probably still would have been a bit heartbroken that he's left, but it was probably the right time. Thank you, Adam. Uh, Maradona of the Midlands, it's one of those things, isn't it, whereby... Uh, we all felt pretty emotional the other night when we were recording. Um, we've had a few more details come out um, since then, uh, most notably revelations, which more or less point the finger at uh, at the big guy saying he gets a little bit annoyed, the fact that Cooper was still so popular, even though even though the club weren't doing as well as he would have liked. So any any thoughts, having had a couple of days to reflect on it? Um, yeah, I mean, there's still, there's still sort of pangs of regret and um still hurts a bit but mixed in with that there's there's the um sort of excitement that comes with the new manager coming in and the uh possibilities of of an improvement and uh and all those sort of things so yeah it's um yeah you've got you've got to look forward now what's happened is happened and mm. steve steve cooper's gonna have a good career he'll have got a good payoff from it and it, he'll i'm sure he'll be walking into a new job pretty soon yeah, possibly it's a team who are higher higher in the league than Forest. Um, uh, just on that, I mean, I was talking at work with uh, with a fellow Forest supporter, and um, and we were just saying he he was more than a manager to to so many of us. Um, and 
you know, we've discussed this on and 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 listener, if you hadn't heard it, then we did put the podcast in our feed, a Steve Cooper sacking special. Uh, so if you go to uh, your podcast provider, whether that be the fruit based one, Spotify, YouTube, or you can find all our links on 1865.football to catch up with that. Now, Maradona, you did allude to the fact that a new head coach has come in and you said the excitement of having a new head coach. I think it's fair to say that a lot of fans felt a little bit underwhelmed with the appointment of Nuno Espirito Santo. Uh, again, you've had a couple of days to reflect. How do you feel? Um, I think I felt better after the press conference. He, he came across as a, quite a nice sort, really. Um, sort of nice, gentle voice, sort of calming influence. Um, Kindly maybe, uncle. Yeah, and, but I think with a with a hard edge to him, you know, I think if he needs to lay down the law to a few of our uh, more errant squad members, I think he'd be uh, very capable of doing so. And I'm sure that's what my niece views would say about me as a kindly uncle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I, and. Uh... Okay, so Adam, I mean, we discussed a little bit about about Nuno and saying that you know there's some of the some of the pros and cons, and of course he's used to playing three at the back, which is when we think Forrester at their best with counter attacking football. He's used to working with some big name players. Uh, he's got the George Mendes link, so there's there's all these things which are potentially positives. Um, how do you feel about the new head coach? Yeah, look, I think. It was no, there was no surprise from my reaction in our group. Everyone in our group knows who I wanted as manager. Um, and when the Guardian reports that the manager that I did want was interested in the job and would have took the job, that made it even worse. But look, Oliver and, and Glesner, for the for the record, yeah, who is that? Oliver, it's Oliver Glesner yeah, from yeah. Um, Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, and yeah, look, he, he won the Europa League with with Eintracht Frankfurt, left um, in 2022. Same age as uh, Steve Cooper. So again, young manager, you've got a lot of talent in that. I really like him, but I can't argue with the fact that they only wanted to bring in a Premier League experienced manager, right? And I, I, I suppose from that respect, it's it's one of them where it's like, I get it. I understand why. If you want a manager of Premier League experience, Nuno is probably the best manager available with Premier League experience. I am so glad that we didn't go down the Steven Gerrard or Patrick Vieira or Frank Lampard route. Um, Vieira is probably harshly sandwiched in that, but I, I'm glad that we didn't go for one of them. I think Nuno was the right Premier League proven manager, if you want. And I suppose as fans, we need to look at the job he did at Wolves, not the job he did at Spurs, because... The Wolves job and the Forest job are comparable. Forest job and Tottenham job aren't. It's not the same level. You're not got the same targets and aspirations. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's a perfectly fine appointment. And I think that's probably as much as I can give it now, praise-wise. OK, but but Adam, um, from what you've just said, I mean, yes, Premier League experience. And, of course, let's, let's not deny the Georges Mendes link is going to have played a part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that, yes, he had a good win ratio. Actually, he didn't have a bad win ratio at Spurs either. It's just he had a bad run of form and that turned turned the tide against him a little bit. And we will hear from a Spurs fan and a Wolves fan about their thoughts on Nuno a little bit later on in the show. Um, but I guess a measure of Nuno's success, he's on a two and a half year contract, could be that the the club finish higher and higher up the league in those two and a half years and then his contract isn't renewed because then it's time to take on a manager who can 
you know, make Forest competitive in the top half of the, of the table. And I, I guess that'll be probably what Mr. Maranakis is looking for, yeah? Yeah, I think he's a safe pair of hands. I think, I think that's kind of probably what we could call him. We're not going to get relegated under Nuno, and that might be famous last words, but we're not. And to be honest, I don't think we would have got relegated under Cooper either. Mm. So, And uh, you'll be able to read my thoughts in the Observer coming very, very soon. It's their, it's their half-term reports. And, and in that sneak preview, I said I, I expected Forrest to finish 14th or thereabouts, and I still think they would have done whether Cooper was the manager or not. Um, to the Maradona in the Midlands once again. Um Naturally, when the head coach departs, many of his staff go as well. So Alan Tate, uh, uh, the goalkeeping coach, the sports scientist have all gone. Stephen Reed and Steve Rams are staying. Andy Reed. I suspect the Andy Reed thing is basically down to the fact he's got this kind of iconic forest status. What do you think? Yeah, I, I guess so. I think having having sacked one uh, forest hero this week, it it probably would be the best PR to. Uh, sack another one. Um, the uh, Stephen Reed we've got to remember was at the club before Steve Cooper came in. He was one of Chris Hewton's coaches, so uh, they obviously thought highly enough of him to ask Steve Cooper to keep him on then. And then uh, Andy Reed sort of worked his way up through the club's coaching ranks from the academy upwards. So they probably have high regard for his abilities as well. And so I would probably want to keep him around apart from just the uh, sort of uh, old hero factor. Um, Adam, uh, as I said, it's, it's no surprise when when a, a head coach's staff depart, is it? Um, do you think there's anything to be said for the fact that Stephen Reid and Steve Rams are staying? Probably just um, that they're, they're quite highly thought of by Maranakis himself. Um, I think anything that the last week or so has taught us that is that Maranakis has the final say on a lot of things, not just staff. Things maybe he shouldn't have a say on, but... I digress into other probably topics there. Mm. And um, just lastly, on this particular on this particular subject, uh, I'm, isn't there a danger that Nuno's going to say, actually, we've kept him on for the time being, but I'll, I'll I'll get rid of him later on down the line. I mean, maybe I think it's one of them where it's uh, Nuno. Uh, if you believe a lot of the reports that I've read, and I've read a lot of what Wolves fans are saying, um, apparently is a very good to work with from a coaching perspective. Yeah, um, you know, like he 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 had kept on um members of staff from Wolves as well. So I I don't know that he's probably going to drop the axe on anyone as it were. I think that I, I again, I probably come back to the fact that Steve Cooper was the head coach, Nuno is the head coach, neither of them were the manager, and I think that's a very key terminology on what happens with the backroom staff. Okay, thank you. Um, Let's move on to the next story that Jamie gave us, which broke just as we were recording uh, the Friday Five last week. And this is the news that Evangelos Maranakis has refinanced the club to the tune of another £11 million. And that makes it a total of over £50 that he's converted um, into shares, into equity. So... um, Coming to you, uh, the Maradon, the Midlands, I mean, this is good news in terms of the financial health of Nottingham Forest, is it not? Um, I guess so. I mean, that when when it, when an owner lent you the money, it's never really the expectation they're going to, but you're going to pay it back when it's it's sort of that sort of vaster sum. Um, uh, with with a football club, it's I'm guessing it's something to do with FFP. Um, it makes makes the losses 
seem smaller and that will help us long term. So, yeah, it's good news in that perspective. Uh, Adam, anything to add to that? I mean, uh, the Maradon the Midlands mentioned the the fabled phrase FFP there. I mean, it's something it's one of the tools that a uh, a rich benefactor can use to keep a football club uh, within the rules, isn't it? Yeah, it's just one of them grey area things that most clubs exploit. Um, hopefully we don't sell the ground to ourselves. Um, I hope that's not the next step we take. Well, I, I don't, I'm not sure we own it, so I think that would be difficult to do. <laughs> just t- just tap up the council and say, look, you know, can we buy it off you for a pound and then sell it to ourselves? Well, just to yeah. uh, get our FFP, FFP like well, yeah. us down the road. Yes, and, that, and that's that's gone well for the clubs who've tried it, hasn't it? So, uh, uh, but uh, I mean, coming back to Forest. Do you see any downsides to Mr. Maranakis financing the club in this way? It's hard to tell. I mean, obviously, we're, we're not um, experts in that um, field. There's a couple of podcasts actually that go through the um, that sort of thing, revenue side of things. But uh, yeah, I think for us, I think we've got to look at it and say he's he's a businessman. He's very very good at running a business. So I would trust him with that aspect of it. Um, maybe not from a football standpoint, but from a financial standpoint, I kind of trust him with with that sort of thing. And to the Maradon, the Midlands, just lastly on this particular topic, I think whatever else you could potentially criticise the big guy for, you cannot fault his generosity in terms of the depth of his pockets, can you? Yeah, um, generous to a fault, I would say. He's a fool to himself um, many times. I mean, I, I slightly disagree with Adam, whereas I trust him to run a business in that, I would have taken a, a quite a different um, uh, method of running the club in the last couple of years. I, when, when we got promoted, I thought it was obvious that we'd maybe spend £50 million and then bank the rest of it to sort of improve the infrastructure and the general health of the club and improve the stadium and so on. But no, we spent every single last penny last year and we spent every single last penny next year. So if we do go down, we're going to be no better off financially or in any other structural reform of the club than when we came up. So, I don't know, you pay your money, you take your choice. OK, and we'll discuss that more in next week's edition of Moneybox. Um, Last story that Jamie brought to us, uh, Maradona sticking with you. Uh, Tom Cartledge has given uh, the annual chairman's interview with the Supporters Trust. It's Cartledge's first time doing this, obviously, as Nick Randall was in the hot seat previously. And uh, Jamie outlines two or three of the key stories. Uh, number one, to do with the infrastructure of the club. Number two, these these proposal of having container stands. And then number three, the idea of staying at the city grounds. Um, any of those capture your imagination at all? Um, well, I think staying at the city ground was not really been in question, has it? I don't. I don't think anybody's. I think it's always down to the the feasibility of expanding the ground to a suitable yeah. capacity. I mean, I mean, it would make sense to move, but for, there's very few things that make sense in football. So it will probably stay here. Um, <laughs> and then um, the container stands, I, I think it, it sounded like it was going to be more of a sort of corporate hospitality area than actual cheap seats for the fans. So I'm not sure that's going to benefit the general public so of not seeing that much. Um, I don't know. He said it would open up seats over the other areas of the pitch, but other areas of the stadium, but I'm not 100% sure that's true. Um, he said everything you'd, you'd want him to say and everything you'd expect him to say. 
Uh, Adam, anything that you'd like to add? I mean, we know that one of Tom Cartledge's uh, selling points, I guess, as the chair of the club is that he is a born and bred Reds fan. He's been going to the game since he was a, since he was a young kid. Um, I would imagine that attachment to the city ground probably comes out of that, doesn't it? Yeah, probably. Um, I always kind of cringe within myself a little bit when I hear someone say, oh, but they're a Forest fan, because we had that with managers and it never really works out too well. Um, but, um, look, I think if someone's qualified and they also love the club, I think that is fantastic. Um, just a quick point on the the container for the stands. I really hate that idea. I really, really hate it. I think it looked awful in Qatar. I think that, that like... It looked so temporary. Like I, 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 for me, I just, I, I know it would save money, and I get that, and it, and it would be cheaper than actually building the infrastructure. But yeah, no, I hate it. It's an idea, really, not for me. Okay, and um, but if it increased the capacity of the ground, especially while we're waiting um, for the new Peter Taylor stand to be built, is that a price worth paying, Adam? Um. Maybe I, I'd say I think I'd say maybe I think it's one of those difficult ones, isn't it? Where because of the the supply and demand, you've got the price of success sometimes, haven't you? Like if we had done this when we were in the championship, which obviously we wouldn't have, because that would defeat the purpose of extending the ground. But yeah, I think we, we sell out every game, so you'd have to have some temporary structure. But yeah, I just I, I don't know what it is. I just I'm not a fan of the shipping containers for me, but. The, the, you know any temporary structure just why it's being built i suppose is kind of fair enough mm. okay and um i think just to add there uh, yeah yeah i well married on the midlands made the point that you know logically it makes more sense to move to a different ground but then we'd lose that iconic vista over trent bridge and from lady bay bridge so uh so i'm going to say thank you very much to the married on the midlands and to adam cycling defender and also to jamie martin in just a minute we're going to hear from a wolves fan and a spurs fan with their thoughts on forest's new head coach you're listening to 1865 not a forest podcast Tis the season for festive football, and what's the best way to watch it? Down at your local Green King Sports pub, of course. After all, Christmas is a time to catch up with friends old and new. So get down to your local for a refreshing pint, some delicious food, and live action of every Christmas cracker. Every fixture from TNT, Sky and Amazon is live at Green King Sports, which is wall-to-wall action on the giant HD screens, And you can watch every winning goal, top bins volley and one of many dodgy VAR decisions that we will be seeing over the Christmas period. Download the Green King Sports app and you will receive 10% off drinks every single time they're sport on the telly. And what's more, you'll be supporting us here at 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. Now it's back to the Friday Five. Welcome back to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. Um, As we heard in part one of today's podcast in the Friday Five, we heard from Jamie and we had a discussion about the dismissal of Steve Cooper and the appointment of Nuno Espirito Santo. So now that we've had a chance to uh, let the news sink in a little bit, we thought it'd be a good chance to have a chat with a Wolves fan and a Spurs fan to discuss their opinions about Nuno. So starting off with Matt Langham, writer and Wolves fan. Um, Matt, 
I mean, what just to start off with, what are your thoughts about the appointment of Nuno? You must have quite a good opinion of him from his time at Wolves. Hi, Rich. Thanks for having me on. <clears throat> yes, I, I definitely do. Um, Nuno has comfortably been the most successful manager of my supporting life. And I went to my first game in 1993 and I am uh, redacted years old. And when Nuno came in, Wolves had just finished 15th in the championship. Um, and from that point, which is a, a pretty low base, he won the league, finished seventh twice in a row in the Premier League and took us into Europe in and a quarterfinal. I mean, in terms of the club uh, then and now, that was pretty much as far as anyone could reasonably expect a club like Wolves to go, you know, that that's the that's the ceiling. Um the decline was a slow one. Uh in a funny way, I think the pandemic, which is was as much to blame as anything else. Um we'll probably talk more about Nuno's character, but um I know that during the pandemic he was isolated from his family and results kind of began to drain away. Overall, I mean, he's not the most charismatic guy. Um, but when your club is taken as far as that by a manager, you can't help but love him. There might be some parallels between Nuno's preferred style and the way Forrest have done things in recent times. So three at the back uh, with uh, width coming from the wing-back areas and, and counter-attacking play, um, not necessarily always playing with out-and-out -out strikers, which was obviously uh, something that Nuno had to face when Jimenez was out injured. So um, do you think that there's something there that could work for the Reds? Yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot of parallels um, in tactics, but maybe not necessarily in style. Um, Nuno religiously played um, a 5-3-2, which was often a 3-4-3 in possession at Wolves. That was his first choice system. And um, I would imagine coming in mid-season at Forest, he'll want to, it's the old cliche, but he'll want to shut up shop, um, make you difficult to beat, and he'll want to secure things at the back. Nuno's a safety-first manager anyway. And I would be surprised if he plays anything other than a 5-3-2. Um, looking back again at his time at Wolves, one of the reasons for the decline was that it was generally felt that, that we needed to move away from being a counter-attacking team and have more possession and control games. And when he tried to move away from the five at the back or three in possession, that really didn't work too well, and um, there was no couldn't transition into into playing a back four. Um, but looking at the the system, um, he'll play wing backs, uh, two wide forwards, and will be pretty reliant on a target man. From what I know of the Forest squad, I think they're pretty well served with the wing backs and wide forwards that they've bought recently. Um, target man might be a different area with um, a one-year out for a while. So hopefully Chris Wood or Divock Origi, who was actually linked to Wolves several times when Nuno was in charge, um, maybe they can step up. Uh, again, another part, another reason for the decline 
was Raul Jimenez's catastrophic injury, really, and he could never be replaced. Um, and the system, like I say, is heavily dependent on a, an effective target man. This might be a bit of a cheeky question, but do you think that Murillo could be for Nuno at Forest what Connor Cody was for Nuno at Wolves? I find that kind of difficult to answer because I can't pretend that I've watched Murillo closely enough to comment. Um, but I can talk at length about Connor Cody. Um, he was a really interesting character because he was an extremely limited defender. Uh, well, he was a converted midfielder. Um, but he had no pace. Um, his reading of the game was okay, but probably not what you'd want from a top-class centre-back. Um, but having been moved back from midfield, it meant he had great passing range. And that was those long diagonals that he'd play out to the wing-backs who, who would play up really high was, was key in um, the style and the system being really effective. But more than anything else he was pretty much the most vocal person you'd have on a football pitch ever. Um, and I think Nuno also recognised that that Conor Cody brought um, leadership off the field as well as on it. And he was very much, for his time at the club, he was very much Mr Wolves. He would do all the community stuff. He'd speak in the media. He'd go to the opening of an envelope. He loved it. And he was, uh, the all the fans really took him to heart. Um, and in that way, he was very much the kind of yin to Nuno's yang because Nuno hates doing that stuff. Um, he's not good in press conferences. He's pretty tight-lipped. He won't give anything away. And so it will be interesting to see if he leans on any Forest player in the same way, somebody that really represents the club well. And um, someone like Ryan Yates springs to mind. So rather than maybe... Uh, Mario being a key man, it could be somebody like that that grows in stature even more to uh, make up for Nuno's kind of uh, lack of uh, ability to be forthcoming in that way. And finally, for now, are you happy to see Nuno back in English football? Um, I think that he's been unfairly maligned by a, a, a swathe of the Forest fan base. They are talking about he's not the kind of ambitious big name that we wanted. But Forest are in the bottom reach of the Premier League and Nuno has got a decent win record. So, I mean, it seemed to go well until it didn't. So do you think that that's something that bodes well for Forest with Nuno in charge? I would say so. Um... I mean, I'm glad to see him back. It's a pity that we've already played for us at home because he would have had, Nuno would have had a brilliant reception. And um, his tenure kind of ended with a bit of a, a fizzle because even though people were allowed back at games at that point, um, there was a limited, uh, limited capacity in stadia. And so he didn't get a very big send off, even though it was a very emotional day. Um I think he's got more to offer and I think he should be a good fit for Forrest. The the thing that probably sticks in most football fans' minds about Nuno is the time at Spurs and that was really the undoing of his reputation. Um, I would tend to look the other way about that stuff because everyone knew at the time that he was third choice for that job at a club that was very dysfunctional. Um 
he didn't do well, but he wasn't really given a proper opportunity to do well by the hierarchy there and the fan base. Um, he's very, even though he's low key, he's very driven and very determined, and he'll be um, certain to address that kind of disappointment. And I hope he does well. Just as a supplementary question, Steve Cooper was really popular amongst the Forest fans because he was somebody who really embraced Nottingham life. He got the fan base, he got the culture. Nuno's way more introverted. Do you think that's something that is a good thing or a bad thing? And and how did Wolves fans take to him, bearing in mind that he's that slightly quieter uh, type of individual? Yeah, I mean, introversion is putting it mildly. Um if you imagine like the anti Brian Clough, you're about halfway there with Nuno. Um, Nuno may kind of embrace um, the local area to a certain degree. He might live locally, but he goes off to see his family in Portugal all the time. He will keep himself to himself. He'll work with a very select group of trusted coaches. Um, if he can, I, I actually don't know the terms of the deal. Um, and if he's bringing his own backroom staff in, but I'm sure he will want to do that. Um, He is, like I say, tight-lipped in press conferences. He'll give stock answers every week. You'll get nothing out of him. Um, And he, one story I heard was that when he first came to um, England, he was told that fans here really do respond to passion and um, Nuno is one for kind of standing quietly on the touchline for the most part during games. And he was advised to kind of interact with the crowd when he could. Um, so he can be demonstrative. And he, he did do that at Wolves, you know, after a big win. Um, and especially in the year we got promoted and then we had real momentum. If we big results were followed by him giving a few fist pumps to the South Bank and stuff and everybody really gone into that. And there were some funny moments. I remember we played Bristol City away, um, I think on New Year's Eve, and uh, he was he was sent. He was given a red card from the touchline and was in a post director's box when we scored the winner, and he went nuts, much to the annoyance of people there. I remember a big win at Middlesbrough when we went down to nine men, and he was you know uh, really losing it at the end there. I remember running onto the pitch and piling on the players when we beat Leicester four three in the last minute. Um, so he can be demonstrative and people do and fans do enjoy that. Um, whether that's a good or a bad thing, I don't know. It's just different style. But ultimately, football fans don't care if there's success on the pitch. Um, people really don't mind. And sometimes, you know, when there's um, a kind of absence of information, um, if Nuno is being so quiet, it comes across as kind of mysterious. It gives him more charisma and people respond to that too because they project what they want onto it. Um, so ultimately, not necessarily a good or a bad thing. And uh, if he brings Forrest some good results, people won't care a jot. OK, thank you very much to Matt Langham, writer and Wolves fan. And... Interesting to hear Matt say that, uh, you know, the pressure was on maybe to move away from the the three at the back counter-attacking style. That might sound familiar to a few Forest fans. Matt also alluded to the fact that his time at Spurs may have put a bit of a uh, 
bit of a negative slant on how we think of Nuno in this country and maybe how some of the Forest fans are thinking about Nuno. So we thought we would have a chat with a Spurs fan. And the first question is, were you surprised that Nuno came to Forest? Thanks for having me on. Um, my name is HG from the Cheese Room. And uh, yeah, it's an interesting one to see Nuno at Forest. I think we were all a little bit surprised that he went there, but more so that Steve Cooper was sacked. Certainly for me, I was a bit surprised that that happened. But for Nuno to show up after a pretty successful time in Saudi Arabia, it's probably a good move for Nuno, but I didn't think anyone thought that he would be ending up at Forest. So, yeah, I was definitely surprised. Obviously, Nuno's time at Spurs wasn't particularly successful. Um, Spurs fans don't seem to have a very strong opinion of him, but his win record wasn't as bad as all that. So what are your considered thoughts now that a bit of time has elapsed? Yeah, you're right in saying that Nuno's win record really wasn't that bad. I think he won five and lost five of his 10 league games. Certainly got us through in, a, I think, a Carling Cup tie, EFL Cup tie at Wolves. But the thing with Nuno is that for many Spurs fans, he was just never wanted in the first place, whether it was delusions of grandeur that we were going to get someone better or this idea that, you know, taking Wolves to seventh in the league somehow wasn't good enough for Spurs. But after seeing him in action, it was more just the type of football we played. Under Nuno, it was a 4-3-3 with a very narrow midfield three and a very narrow attacking three, asking the fullbacks to do everything. In, in wide areas and we just didn't have the players to do that so the football was just pretty bad to watch we won a lot we won a few games clearly but not by playing well and for Spurs clearly the the fans like to see good football we want to see attacking football and it just never happened under Nuno so when we had that I think his final game was Manchester United at home the kind of against Solskjaer and it was nicknamed as El Sakiko the idea that whoever was going to lose got sacked and Spurs lost that game 3-0 at home and that was pretty much the end for Nuno. So I don't think many Spurs fans have a great memory of him, but he was really done for just because we never really wanted him in the first place. And last but not least, do you think that Nuno's got what it takes to be a success at a club like Forest, who are, you know, at the moment in the lower reaches of the table, but are aspiring to be upper mid-table within the next year or two? I definitely think Nuno has what it takes to take Forest to where they want to be in the next year or two. The fact that he took Wolves into the Premier League from the Championship and got them to finish seventh, he got them into Europe. I think they got to the quarterfinals of the Europa League. And Wolves aren't a bigger club than Forest. They may have had a bit more backing um, at the time with, the, I think, the Chinese backers that Wolves had. But Nuno's clearly not a bad manager. You've just got to find him good players. And I think Forest seem to be spending the money to do so. So... It's a, it, I still think it's a shame that Cooper went, but I don't think Nuno is a bad appointment. And I think he can do what, uh, what the owner seems to want Forrest to be. OK, thank you very much to HG for providing those opinions. And his colleague, JP, um, they all have initials at the uh, Cheese Room Spurs podcast. Uh, so his colleague, JP, did say, I think the biggest problem with Nuno at Spurs was it always felt like a panic appointment. So echoing HG's thoughts, felt like a stopgap. Uh, the club were waiting for Pochettino's contract at PSG to uh, expire. Conte came back on the market and we completely pivoted. So... JP was saying that he felt sorry for Nuno in many ways, but the football was not great. 
And that's where we'll leave it for today. We will be back in your feeds uh, at the weekend with a match report after the first game for Nuno Espirito Santo as the Forest head coach against Bournemouth. So we'll be reporting on that. And then, of course, we will be up at Newcastle on Boxing Day. So we want to say a big thank you for listening. And we will be back in your feeds very soon. Podcast Network.